0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK. Chemaka Sandu from Toronto in Canada. Still recovering after a double header weekend, at least it was, in the head household. We had UFC 271 on Saturday. We had the Super Bowl on Sunday. I should be asleep right now, but I'm still energized. I'm pumped and I'm ready to go. This is gonna be a good show, Sandu. I'm looking forward to it. Loads to talk about after a mad weekend of fights down in Houston, Texas.
1: Yeah, it there's nothing like a big UFC pay-per-view. There's so many storylines, so much action, so much to chew on. And like yourself, I also did enjoy the Super Bowl as well. I I wasn't really into the competitive angle of the actual matchup, the final. I have no invested interest in either team. But that's why the Super Bowl has a lot of casual eyeballs on it. Because even if you don't follow the sport, even if you don't follow either of the team's there's the halftime show. Uh, There's also those amazing new reveals of trailers for big movies coming out and new TV shows. And and it really is as, as spectacular as it gets when it comes to being a show for everyone. So I had a good time watching that as well.
0: I had a good time except for my bets. I had the Bengals in almost all of my bets and uh, they kind of blew it down a stretch. If you took them on the spread, though, which I didn't, you would have won. But that's about the only Bengals bet that I didn't take on Sunday night, which is a bit of a bit of a bummer. But hey, we're here to talk about MMA and UFC 271 this weekend, Sandu, was a banger. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whittaker. We said leading in that this probably wasn't going to go exactly the same way as it did the first time. We thought it would be a bit more of a chess match this time round, And that's exactly what it turned out to be, didn't it? It went all five rounds. Adesanya getting the judges' decision, 48-47 twice and 49-46. Interesting comments from a lot of people after that fight in terms of the way the fight might have been scored. Some people even suggested that Whitaker should have won, Whitaker being one of them. I'll be honest with you, mate, I gave it 49-46 to Israel Adesanya I gave him the first four rounds and I gave Whitaker the fifth there were a couple of rounds in there where Whitaker certainly did better but I don't think he did well enough to take them so the first four rounds for me were Adesanya and it was really desperation stuff going into that last round and he had a good last round so my scorecard was 49 46 I don't know whether you scored it round by round as the fight went on or if you've had a chance to score it back since but what was your assessment when it got to the final bell
1: I thought Izzy done more than enough to win this fight, Simon. I had it 49 46, exactly how you scored it. Izzy one through four, and I gave Whitaker the fifth round. You could definitely make a case for 48 47. At no point did I think there was any controversy in this decision whatsoever. I just didn't see how anyone can score Whitaker three rounds in total or more because I just don't feel like it was most of those rounds were that razor close where it could go either way. I I thought, to be honest with you, the rounds that I gave Izzy were fairly definitive and the final round that I gave Whitaker was fairly definitive. And I have to say overall though, as a contest, I thought, Whitaker made a really good account of himself, a much better performance than the last time. You could just tell during fight week, he was at ease. The pressure of fighting in his home country wasn't there. He'd already been in there with Izzy. He'd gone away. He's he's improved. He's legitimately earned his title shot once again. And I thought there was respect between the two guys. There was no beef. There was no bad blood. And as good as he was, I thought Izzy showed incredible improvement, especially with his takedown defense, you know, he, he moved up 205 pounds. He challenged the then champion Jan blahovic a much bigger man. And for him to take come away from that loss, work on some things, especially with his grappling, the proof was in the pudding, Simon. Back at his own weight class, at, you know, alongside and competing with a fellow 185er, you could tell he could more than hold his own. And And where I feel like, Whitaker could have done an extra 10 or 20% to, to win those rounds. It's it's because when he got Izzy to the ground, or when he had maybe 10-15 seconds of control in those grappling exchanges, there was no damage and he couldn't keep him down. Izzy was able to get out of those positions, scramble out of those spots, and and then once he was able to do that, he got the better of him while they were standing in those striking exchanges. So a good account for Whitaker, I thought a great account for Izzy. I personally love it when there's a bit of a chess match going on there and uh, at the end of the day the better man won and still Israel Adesanya yeah. the last bender.
0: yeah it was it was a superb performance from him his ability to get back up i think we referenced it on on last week's show we've seen it at middleweight before taking him down is one thing that's a tough a tough task in itself but keeping him down is something that no one other than Jan Blahovic at 205 has actually been able to do no one's really kept him down so it was it was evidence as well from from seeing them in in the cage how much bigger israel adesanya is than robert Whitaker. i mean robert Whitaker. let's not forget used to fight at 170 and he's an established 85 er now former world champion of course but the size difference was really evident on fight night it looked to me like izzy looked a little bit thicker in the frame i don't know whether it was just by imagination or the fact that i haven't seen him fight for a little while but he looked a lot a lot thicker in the frame a lot more muscular a lot more powerful um and yeah I mean dropping Robert Whittaker in the first round it looked like things were going to go really well for him Whittaker recovered really well and fought a good fight I mean if you're Robert Whittaker and you're looking back at what you did you're gonna be pretty happy with how things went the one thing that seemed pretty glaring to me watching the fight didn't throw enough right hands he worked his jab really well and when he started doubling up and trebling up the jab he was really creating some nice openings for for that right hand but the right hand never came and I think he was very wary of what happened to him in the first fight where he overcommitted with the big right hand and that eventually was what led to his downfall in the first fight but when you get to rounds 4 and 5 in a title fight that you're probably losing it's it's kind of shit or bust isn't it you you have to go for it you have to really lay it all out there you can't just eke a judge's decision uh against Israel Adesanya because he's technically so good he's probably going to have rounds in the bank on you and that's that's how it turned out on fight night the problem with Robert Whittaker now, Sandu, he said it himself in the press conference. He says that Whitt- he said that himself and Izzy are a class above the rest of the 185 pound division. I think that's a reasonable enough statement. The problem is there's a, another gap between Robert Whittaker and Israel Adesanya. As good as Whittaker is, he's not at Izzy's level. And we've had two fights. He pushed the pace, got knocked out. He tried to fight more of a chess match, got outpointed. So what on earth do you do now if you're the Reaper, Robert Whitaker? He, he looked, just sort of seeing him in the post-fight press conference, he was kind of jovial and re- seemed relatively happy with his night's work. But he also looked slightly resigned to the fact that there's a guy above him that you just can't beat. So where next for him? Is he going to look to move back down to 70 and go for a belt down there? Or is he just going to content himself with the fact that He's the second best guy in his weight class. I mean, it's a tough spot to be in.
1: I feel like he's in no man's land, right, Simon? Like you said, it's like when you've taken two losses to the champion and they've both been definitive in two different ways, one being a finish and one being a unanimous decision on the on all of the judges' scorecards, it's like, where do you go from there? And I, I feel like there's maybe a couple of options he's got. The first being you stick at 185, right? And you just take the matchups as they're given to you. And let's be honest, against everybody else not named Israel Sani at 185 pounds, you're most likely going to pick Robert Whitaker to win. So maybe you know when there's an, an event on in Australia, he'll he'll be put on there. He's still a UFC fighter, and he's still one of the the best exports from Australia in mixed martial arts. So there's a lot of opportunity there to to make as much money as you possibly can. And all you can do at 185 is continue to rack up wins put another streak together you don't know what the championship picture may look like in a year or 18 months or two years from now so that's one option simon stick at 185 and and fight other contenders in that top 10 some fun fights maybe some rematches maybe some fresh faces and continue to test yourself continue to improve the other option is And something that you alluded to, which I'm not personally the biggest fan of, is if he does go down to welterweight. I mean, let's face it, he was already kind of struggling to kind of make that weight the first time around. He's a lot older now. His body is used to 185. But you've got another dominant champion there in Kamaru Usman, who is probably going to be looking for new challenges in the not-too-distant future. I mean, if he gets past Leon Edwards, it's like, who else is there really left at welterweight? And can Robert Whitaker make 170 healthy? Can he perform? If he does go down, does he get an immediate title shot? Does he have to fight maybe one of the top contenders? I mean, don't get me wrong. If he could make 170 completely healthy and he's in good nick, the prospect of Usman Whitaker is mouthwatering. It's a fresh matchup. I would love to see it. But um, that's going to be something that Robert Whitaker and his team are going to need to figure out. And at the moment, yeah, like I said, he's in a bit of no man's land, but I have to give him all the credit in the world. The way he took that loss, so like, yes, he advocated for the fact that he felt, though, he won the fight. But just pure respect, pure class, didn't really kick up that much of a fuss. Like you said, basically said, listen, me and Izzy are the two best middleweights out there, and that's that's just the way it goes. And I have nothing but respect and admiration for, legitimately, I think, one of the nicest guys, in the sport so whatever he decides to do whether it's stick at 185 or or try well to wait one more time I wish him nothing but the best
0: yeah pure class and as you said in the post-fight press conference he was at pains to say at the time he felt he had done enough to win but he also said but I lost they scored the fight for Izzy I have to take that on the chin I didn't do enough and I thought. That's very different from some people who would come back to a post-fight press conference and just cry robbery and say, I won that fight. What were the judges looking at? He just said, I felt like I did enough to win. I didn't win. Um, and now it's onwards and hopefully upwards for Robert Whitaker, But the path is far from clear from him. He is definitely stuck behind the eight ball at 185 pounds. 170 sounds like an option if, if, as you say, he can make 170 safely. Which segues me into the next question, really, which is to do with Israel Adesanya's future. And a name I want to throw into the mix, who inserted himself into the conversation relatively soon after the conclusion of that fight. Hamzat Shemaev. Hamzat Shemaev is currently thought to be the coming man at 170 pounds. We have seen him at 185 pounds, where he has looked an absolute monster. Could he potentially fight for the title at 85 before he gets a sniff at 170? Could he go for two belts in the space of a calendar year? He looks like he's in a good position potentially to dive into 185, win a contender fight. And you can bet the UFC would absolutely love the idea of throwing a brand new hype, hype fueled contender into a title fight with Israel Adesanya because they are in short supply right now. We'll talk about his likely next opponent a little bit later on in the show. But Hamzat Chimayev versus Israel Adesanya are a shift if you paper for wouldn't it? Certainly would,
1: Simon. But here's the thing. The problem that you've brought up about Izzy and £185 is the exact same problem. The UFC have got a welterweight. They've got yet another dominant champion in Kamaru Usman, who is also in need of contenders. And... Listen, I'm sure, you know, both Izzy and Kamaru would love the idea of Kamaru's hype trend continue to chug along nicely. You know, if if Hamza is able to get through Gilbert Burns, that'll be another statement win over a former title contender. Personally, I hope Hamza stays at welterweight. I would love to see how far he can go at welterweight. I feel like long-term, the play and the move for him, especially as he kind of continues to grow into his body, is at 185 and we've obviously seen him be very very dominant in both weight classes already is future going to be potentially double champion and if so could you imagine if hamza Shemaev is a champ champ in the ufc and the two champions he was able to knock off were kamaru usman and Asanya. i mean that's already going to put him into the goat conversation if he's able to do that but for right now simon i would love to keep hamza at at welterweight i like the story there He's chasing that title. Kamara Usman is in need of new challenges, and to be honest with you, for for Izzy Simon, I feel like there's still enough there. There's there's enough there. I would say at least for the next twelve months. You know, you've got the likes of Jared Cannonier, who we're going to speak about very very shortly. You know, you've got Sean Strickland. You know, who Izzy himself mentioned in his in his post fight uh, interview and post fight press conference as someone that is himself on a win streak happens to be in this, you know, represented by the same agency as Israel Adesanya is someone that talks a lot as well. And I think that's what Izzy needs is kind of like a foil, someone that can, you know, be a bit of a character, maybe not like Colby Covington, but kind of in that ballpark and generate some interest in the fight. That's going to be the interesting thing for Adesanya moving forward as well is like, you know, people are obviously interested in seeing him fight, but are they going to be, as interested as seeing him just completely whitewash the competition which is exactly what he's been doing so far the most compelling and most interesting fight for him in my opinion anyway was the Whitaker rematch looking at the rest of the competition there whether it be new matchups whether it be more rematches I'm picking Izzy all day and I think Izzy would win with ease but the other thing that the UFC were pushing across the broadcast uh, as in terms of a narrative is okay we know that Israel Adesanya is the best middleweight of his generation, but now he's chasing all-time middleweight GOAT status. He's chasing the legacy. He's chasing those Ants and silver numbers, those records, those stats. And I think a part of how he does that, is to keep cutting through all the competition that's still there at 185 to keep racking up those title defences. So for me, Izzy stays at middleweight and continues to do his business there before he thinks about moving up to 205 anymore. Hamza, let's keep him at a well to wait for at least the time being to see if he can go all the way and also how he would rack up against someone like Kamaru Usman.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's It's almost a shame because the three big money fights, if you take a look at Who's in range of Israel Adesanya size-wise? John Jones, if only he'd stayed at 205. Kamaru Usman, if only he would move up and the pair would agree to fight each other. They've already said they're not going to face each other. That would be an absolutely massive fight. And Hamzat Chimaev, just purely because of the hype. They are the three big fights. The only one of those that is even remotely feasible is Hamzat Chimaev. And we're probably a year away from that being a, a realistic possibility. So... As you say, keep the train rolling, take out the contenders as they as they arrive. Um, it's a shame he doesn't have that absolute blockbuster rival in the division. Like Kamaru has had Colby Covington, for example. He's generated a couple of massive paydays off the back of that. Adesanya is having to do all the heavy lifting himself at 185 pounds, and he will have to do that in his next title fight for sure. We'll talk about that in a second, but let's talk about the co-main event, Sandu. Derek Lewis on home soil, looking to make amends for a lackluster performance in Houston, where he got beat by Cyril Gunn for the interim belt, taking on Ty to Ivasa in a cannot miss heavyweight scrap. It was going to be swanging and banging and all sorts going on in there. The two lads delivered, and it was Ty to Ivasa who got the knockout. Incredible stuff from the big Aussie. Derek Lewis eventually being face planted by a, a vicious elbows two elbows actually He hit him with an elbow against the fence then a punch then the elbow over the top and that was it game over the black beast is slain and tied to Ivasa is the new knockout he's not the knockout king is he because he hasn't got the stats but he just took out the knockout king of the UFC what a night for the big Aussie Bam Bam is going to be ranked pretty highly when these rankings are refreshed later on today and who knows he could only be one fight away from potentially fighting for gold of some description, interim or, or full. But whew, what a weekend for Taito Ivasa.
1: I mean, talk about as advertised, Simon. We kind of knew this was going to be one of those fights where you don't blink and that's exactly what happened. I didn't think it was going to get into the second round. It did. But ultimately, the fight ended in a vicious knockout Heartbroke for, for the Black Beast Derek Lewis, especially in his hometown, but absolutely made up for Tai to you, Just seems like such a good bloke. You're kind of kind of guy you'd love to have a few beers with and hang out with. And man, what he's done with his turnaround, considering all those losses, and he comes back into the on the verge of being cut, comes back into the UFC with his five-fight win streak. It's now five fights, five wins five knockouts. And like you said, this being the signature win. Someone in Derek Lewis who has fought for championships in the UFC and now Taito Ivasa, who's only in his late 20s. Where is the ceiling with this guy? He's going to continue to improve. He's a fan favorite. He's got an incredible highlight reel full of knockouts representing Australia. He's got this incredible post-fight celebration, doing shoeys with the fans. And here's something that's incredible. You just knocked out the Black Beast in his hometown, and yet the fans are still cheering you. Doesn't that tell you everything you need to know about Bam Bam Tai Tuivasa? He is so beloved by the UFC fans in every corner of the world. There's now video out there of him finally getting Dana White, UFC president, to also do a shoey Vasa. Not a complete shoey, but a a shoey Vasa. He's got this product line. The, the Shui Vasa that he's selling as well. So listen, it feels like it's a good time to be in the Tai Tui Vasa business. And like you mentioned, with so much uncertainty with that heavyweight championship picture with Francis Ngannou, will he, won't he commit to the UFC long term? Will the UFC, because Ngannou is going to be having some surgery on his knee, decide to implement an interim title fight perhaps this summer? Who do they go to? Can they get a deal done with John Jones? Can they bring back Stipe Miocic? Well, I tell you what, Tai Tuivasa has inserted himself into that conversation and he's done it by knocking out the Black Beast. So my goodness, it's time to start paying attention if you weren't already to Tai Tuivasa because he's on his way to the big show now.
0: It's time to start paying the man a little bit more money as well. He's now He's now top five. He's now top five. He may even be as high as top three. Derek Lewis was ranked number three in the world going into that fight. And he knocked him out in the second round. So, title with asset is right there. And as I say, one more win, he could well be in there fighting for gold pretty soon. As we uh, as we continue in 2022, amazing performance from him. I did have to have a little laugh actually on the, on fight night. I tweeted just as they were walking out. Do full stop. Not full stop. Blink full stop. Five seconds later, the BT Sport account probably manned by you do full stop not full we are thinking the same while these fights are happening (laughs) we're putting the same stuff out granted the bt account had a few more retweets than mine did but hey that's the way it is but yeah we were both thinking the same thing it was one of those fights it was probably about half past four in the morning when that fight happened in the uk and i guarantee you every single person who was sitting up watching this they were sort of either standing up or they were right on the edge of their seat because they knew that some craziness was about to ensue and as you said at the start, as advertised. Great fight. Perhaps not the most technical matchup in the world. We saw that in the main event. But if you just want two big guys throwing heavy leather at each other, then boy, we got that in the co-main event. Now, we had a bit of a mixture of both in the middleweight contender battle between Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. This was an important fight for the UFC middleweight division with Israel Adesanya continuing his dominance of the division. The identity of the next man up was pretty much going to be determined by this fight. Sean Strickland had his chance against Jack Hermanson a week or two ago. Didn't really do enough to earn a title shot. Could one of these two guys, Derek Brunson, wanted the rematch. Jared Cannonier wanted his shot. And it was Jared Cannonier who got the job done. Looked like he was in big trouble in the first round. Kind of saved by the bell almost at the end of that first round. Brunson looked like he was in... He was really close to finishing him. And then second round, it was as if someone had just taken Brunson's batteries out. He'd completely lost all of his cardio. Cannoneer, who's got cardio. He's got cardio for months, you know, forget days. He's got cardio for months, that man. And he just came storming back and vicious, vicious elbows got the job done towards the end of that second round. But great performance from Jared Cannoneer. He deserves his shot at the title and the final piece in the jigsaw, the icing on top of the cake, he needed to get the call out right. He got the call out spot on. He he made sure that Dana White wasn't just listening. He made sure he turned around from whoever it was he was talking to at cage side and was staring him in the face before he launched into his title shot demand. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Cannon Air is generally pretty, pretty level-headed. He came out with some great stuff. It went down in h town, and all this sort of stuff. Absolutely brilliant piece of, uh, brilliant piece of on mic rhetoric from uh, the Killer Gorilla. He's getting his title shot, and it sounds from what Israel Adesanya said, it might well be in June. Now they're talking about Israel. Well, they're talking about it. It's happening. International Fight Week is in June, the end of June, beginning of uh, of July. We could see Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannonier. During international fight week, and uh, I'll be over in Vegas for that. I would not, I would not hate that matchup at all. That would be a very interesting matchup. Cannonier, absolutely as tough as they come, and a fresh challenger for Israel Adesanya, and a guy that Adesanya has been talking about for a long time. And now he's got his chance.
1: Yeah, incredible performance by Jared Cannonier. I genuinely felt like he was losing that fight. Like the way Brunson came out in that first round, I was like, wow, here we go. It's the blonde Brunson undefeated streak is going to continue. He wins here and he's going to get his rematch against Israel Adesanya. But like you said, just emptied the gas tank. And that was when Cannon was able to step in. One thing that I have to say that I haven't really seen, I guess, celebrated too much is got to give a tip of the hat to Brunson's corner. Simon, as he was getting knocked out, they threw the towel in. Now, by the time the towel hit the octagon floor, I don't even think the referee saw it. I think by that by that time it was redundant and he had already kind of stepped in to stop the fight. But just the fact that the corner was seeing what was going on with their guy and decided to throw the towel in, we just don't see that often enough in mixed martial arts and i don't know why but want to give them a big big shout out give give them some credit for actually um throwing the towel in but credible effort by air i loved to call out we talk about this all the time simon how you know some fighters get it right some fighters don't take advantage of that opportunity and why air is right now in my opinion in the driver's seat ahead of someone like a sean strickland is Sean Strickland, yes, he may have just main-evented a fight-night card, which is obviously a a big opportunity, and he's on an incredible win streak. But he just beat Jack Hermanson, a little bit lower in the pecking order in that top 10, Simon. What Cannon just did is beat a streaking Derek Brunson. It was on a pay-per-view main card where the champion of the division was the marquee. The call-out, perfect, because... Not only are you getting Dana White's attention, by having that interaction with Dana White, we the fans, we the viewers at home watching, we're now involved and engrossed in what he's saying. And he made a statement in the cage. He made a statement on the microphone. For me, it should be Jared Cannonier who's up next. And to be fair to Izzy, Izzy's actually spoken quite highly of Cannonier. For a good year or two now. And it feels like there's some mutual respect there between the two guys. And even Izzy mentioned, you know, post uh, weigh ins, he kind of had a look at Jared Cannonier and kind of said, I like fresh meat. So I feel like that's a fight that could happen. And I think it's a fight that should happen. So hopefully they can make Izzy and Cannonier next. And hey, listen, if that's going to be a part of the offering during international fight weeks, sign me up for that.
0: Yeah. Great performance from Jared Cannonier. I think any kind of win would have been enough for him, but the nature of that win, the knockout, then the call out, he's absolutely rubber stamped himself a title shot later this year. That will probably be confirmed in the coming weeks and months. They were three big fights at the top of the card. The other two fights on the main card very quickly. Hernando Maikano defeated Alexander Hernandez. Hernandez and Micano were supposed to be lower down on the card, and Hernandez during fight week was very unhappy. At the apparent disrespect of him not being on the main card. Well, they ended up moving him up to the main card, and he got beat. So that says says everything you need to know, really. Hanato Mocana, good performance from him. Bobby Green, absolutely brilliant performance from Bobby Green. One of my favorite guys to watch fight. He scares the life out of me because he doesn't have his hands up. He relies on his reflexes, and he put on a great show against Nazareth Hackparast. That was one of my favorite performances on the undercard, Sandy. But there were loads of great performances. On the undercard on Saturday night. I'm sure you enjoyed Bobby. Who else did you enjoy this particular fight? I I, I love
1: the Bobby Green performance, especially when you've got the crowd just chanting your name and he owned it from the walkout to the 15 minutes he spent inside the octagon to even the the walk off post fight interview there at the end. Just absolutely money from Bobby Green. Hey, Andrea Lovski. He can still go. He can still do the business. It's crazy that in the year of 2022, former UFC heavyweight champion, Andre Olovsky is still winning fights. But I have to say, I think the Casey oneill Roxanne Modaferi fight was the one that I, have, I was kind of most anticipating in that broadcast prelim because of obviously, you know, the Happy Warriors last dance. She now is riding off into the sunset. Happy trails to the Happy Warrior. But I have to say, I love the fact that Casey O'Neill embraced the kind of heel persona because let's face it, you knew the crowd weren't really going to be cheering for you in this fight, that that Roxanne Modiferi was going to have, you know, a lot of fan support there. And she ended up not only just beating her, but she ended up pulling up with her own version of the Ally quinter. Boomy F you. And I, I felt like that alone, these little things help people remember you, good or bad again. You never want to be indifferent. I feel like Casey O'Neill is a lovely, a lovely girl, a lovely person. But the fact that that persona came out, I love it. And I feel like if she can continue to push that out there a little bit in in her forthcoming fights, she's going to be able to really climb the ranks. Not just through her performances; she's now nine fights, nine wins, completely undefeated, and continues to look better and better and better. But that personality is going to start to shine through a little bit more. Whether it's organic, bit of a character, maybe somewhere in the middle. And I feel like Casey O'Neill is someone to pay attention to in the women's flyweight division moving forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with a Brit pack, she's she's born in Scotland, Casey O'Neill. She's got a very interesting Scossey accent. Bit of Scotland, bit of Australia going on there. But the one thing about that fight, Sandu, that was never a split decision. That was never a split decision. 29-28, okay, I understand. But Rob Alexander, who had an absolute shocker of a night, gave that fight to Roxanne Modaferi. He also gave, I think it was the Andrei Jared Jared Vandera fight. He gave the fight to Jared Vandera as well, which, which was absolutely crazy as well. So that was just a little side note, some pretty iffy judging. And I know social media were absolutely gobsmacked at some of the scoring uh, across those two fights. But yeah, Casey O'Neill is definitely, definitely one to watch as we move forward. That was a fun fight card. I mean, anybody who didn't watch the early prelims, Get on there and watch the early prelims. Douglas Silva de Andrade was outstanding. Jacob Malkoon, great comeback win. Ronnie Lawrence looks superb. The whole, of, the whole of the fight card, there was so much going on on that fight card. And it was a lot of fun to watch from start to finish. I didn't get any sleep on Saturday night, but by the time I got to the end of that fight card, despite the fact we had quite a few decisions early on, I was still buzzing. It was a great fight card. And, uh, Anybody who did have to stump up the stump up the cash over over in the States for that pay-per-view, I think would have come away feeling like they got plenty of value for their money. That was UFC 271, Sandu. And uh we've got a little bit of news in terms of the PFL. We have a TV deal in the UK, Sandu.
1: Yeah, I actually haven't read too much into the details, but essentially from what I understand through the kind of social media announcement, is the fact that PFL is now with Channel 4 in the UK. And it looks like the Challenger Series, the regular season, the playoffs, and the championship, literally everything, everything that the PFL has to offer will be airing live on Channel 4 in the UK, which is a big deal because, you know, Growing up in the UK, you got you got the, the the terrestrial TV channels that is essentially in every single home. You know, it's BBC One, it's ITV, and it's Channel Four. And so, first of all, it's not hard to find. Pretty much everyone's got Channel Four. So, if you're an MMA fan and you want to follow the PFL this year, and you're based in the UK, it's easy. It's Channel Four. You've got it. It's, there's no streaming service. There's no like um, subscription you have to sign up for. You've got the channel. It, it's it's already there in whatever set top box or uh, cable box you've got at home. So that's that's a an easy win in terms of just being able to let people know when and where to watch. But the fact that someone like Brendan Lockney now, it's so easy to follow the Brit. You know, in the PFL, I think it's good for them. It's good for the expansion. If I'm them, I'm signing a bunch more uk fighters especially with that deal just to help you know drum up more of their the brand awareness of the pfl in the uk so yeah i think that's a it's a fantastic deal uh, for everyone in the uk i think it's a good deal for the pfl and it just shows simon how big mma is continuously getting obviously the ufc are the the brand leader the market leader they've got an incredible deal with BT Sport you've got Bellator now into their second year with BBC iPlayer you've got the PFL with Channel 4 I mean this is this is what we want this is this is how the sport grows this is how everybody in the industry wins especially in the UK
0: Yeah it means that the three major US based promotions are all easily accessible for UK fans for the first time ever we have Bellator, as you say, have just re up with the BBC. The UFC have long been with BT Sport and long may that continue. That's been a great deal for them. Now we've got the PFL with Channel 4 and Channel 4. It isn't just their main Channel 4 channel. They've got a whole load of other channels as well. They do have the option of streaming through their More 4 player if they want to, or, or 4. All 4, I think it's called now. They rebranded it a year or so ago, the All 4 streaming service online. They've got all manner of bandwidth, so they can show as much of it as they want. I'm really excited. This is a deal that PFL have really needed to break through in the UK. And when you've got someone like Brendan Loughnane, who is right up there as being one of the best 45ers outside of the UFC, then this is the platform that I think he deserves. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes over the course of 2022. But this weekend, Sandu, it is back to the UFC. It is back to the UFC Apex, and a new main event. We were going to have the Battle of the Rafaels, the Raphael Derby, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Raphael Fiziev, but due to uh, visa issues for Mr. Fiziev, that fight has been removed from this card. It's now been added to UFC 272, and he's going to remain a five-rounder. So that's got some extra oomph. That fight card that is already dynamite has now got another great fight on there. But now the main event, has been filled by Johnny Walker and Jamal Hill at light heavyweight. This should be an absolute cracker. Johnny Walker, one of the most spectacular, uh, crazy light heavyweight contenders. Unpredictable, always has something a little bit off the wall for us. Famously dislocated his shoulder while doing the worm after celebrating a win a year or so ago, but always brings the entertainment factor. Jamal Hill, one of the best up-and-coming light heavyweights, period. He's just that good. And uh, he had a horrible defeat to Paul Craig where uh, he dislocated his elbow. But beyond that, he has looked absolutely brilliant inside the octagon. And I'm taking him to win that fight and really build on his rise up the 205-pound division. But that one, for as long as it lasts, is going to be a lot of fun, Sandu.
1: Yeah, I think in a weird way, this kind of almost ended up being the perfect situation for the UFC. They need something extra for UFC 272 and although this isn't ideal for Rafael Dos to once again be waiting to compete, it feels like he's been waiting forever to finally get, you know, the chance to fight again. But the fact that his his fight with Rafael Fiziev, who's obviously another ma- massive rising star in the UFC, is going to be a co-main event on a blockbuster card headlined by Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington Lots of eyeballs on that card. You guys are the co-main event, and the best part—it's still five rounds. I-, I love this wave, Simon. We we've, b- we've been getting now for the last year or so, where there's a there's a there's a couple of situations where fights that would traditionally just be a three-round fight are being now five rounds. It's it's almost like it's being normalized a little bit more, and and I don't know if there's going to be future fights where this gets to be a little bit more common, but. If I'm fighters that want to be in in main event or co-main event, well, definitely main event, but in co-main event slots or in a featured bout on a main card, I'd be pushing to, to ask the UFC, hey, can we make this five rounds? You know, can we can we figure something out to make this five rounds if it makes sense? So I love that. And to be honest with you, these Apex cards, they're kind of you know a lot of the time you know a bit, a bit filler, but. I don't think RDA and Fizzi have that spot. I feel like they've got themselves a much better spot on that pay-per-view co-main event situation. And the main event slot on an Apex Fight Night card that's where Johnny Walker and that's where guys like Jamal Hill can take advantage of the, of the situation. And I feel like, like we know them, but I feel like there's maybe a lot of fans, you know, that perhaps don't know, especially like the, jo- the Jamal Hill kind of story and his narrative and what he brings to the table. At the end of the day, when you look at the rankings and, you know, you can criticize the rankings all day long, but, it's one of the few things that we have to go by in terms of how the UFC does their matchmaking and what fights make sense and what this means in terms of the pecking order. We've essentially got number 10 taking on number 12. Number 10 being Johnny Walker, number 12 being Jamal Hill. So, an opportunity here for Jamal Hill to perhaps break into the top 10 and an opportunity for Johnny Walker to perhaps, you know, maybe go up to, I don't know, five, six, seven, depending on how the performance goes. But Light heavyweight is still one of those divisions, Simon, that is still A, very shallow, and B, there's an opportunity there. If you can rack up a few wins, get a bit of a streak going together, it's not too, you know, it doesn't take too long for you to get into the conversation of, of fighting for a title. So, interesting fight. It'll definitely be action-packed. You, Johnny Walker is a crazy man from his walkouts to what he brings to the cage. You just don't know what you're going to get with that guy. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be, should be explosive.
0: Yeah, and Johnny Walker's kind of – his back's a little bit up, up against the wall. here. He's, he has been operating in a higher quality of opponent, but he has lost three of his last four as Johnny Walker. Jamal Hill, we mentioned just a minute ago, has only lost the once against Paul Craig. And he's bounced back with a massive first round knockout of Jimmy Crute. And you don't knock out Jimmy Crute particularly easily. He did. 48 seconds was all he needed to take the Aussie out. So he's the real deal, Jamal Hill. I really do believe he is the real deal at 205 and I think it won't be long before he's knocking on the door of the top five at light heavyweight. That is the main event. That is the fight that we're going to be focusing the most on when we recap the event on next week's show. The other fight that leaps off the card is the main card opener: Joachim Buckley versus Abdul Rassak Al Hassan. Two heavy-handed strikers. Judges not required for that, I don't think. That is going to be an absolute banger. Jim Miller is on that card. Carl uh, Dorcas will be in the co-main event in a catchweight fight. So there's a little bit, there's a little bit in there to just sort of keep an eye out on on Saturday night, as you say, Sandu. Not the most star laden card but these apex cards aren't really for that are they so it, it, it's a breeding ground for guys who are ready to go on to a pay-per-view card and with that with that said i mean rafael Fiziv and, and rafael desangels they need to be in front of a crowd they need especially Fiziv, right he he thrives in front of a crowd it almost seemed it, it would almost be a waste for him to fight at the apex now he's fighting in front of the t-mobile arena which is going to have 18 to 20,000 people in it. And that's exactly where we want him in a five round fight against RDA. Ooh, that's going to be a banger. I cannot wait for that, but that is going to have to wait for another day. We have Johnny Walker, Jamal Hill on Saturday night and that Sandu, I think is probably where we wrap things up. So how can everyone get in touch with us on the Brit pack?
1: The best place is to go to the website, the Brit dot From there, you can find Simon's social handles, my social handles, uh the shows social handles and we're available on spotify we're available on apple podcasts both platforms now give you the opportunity to rate and review so if you've got 20 seconds by the time you stop listening to this week's show and you're able to give us a rate give us a review that would be much appreciated it's honestly how the algorithm works that's how you know podcasts and shows get bigger and get found by new audiences and then the other thing you guys can do is go to our youtube channel we're getting pretty close uh, to going to video where we're continuing to test things on the back end but it's it's getting pretty close and so we're getting really excited about it so if you're able to go to the youtube channel now subscribe all the shows there the whole archive is there in audio format only but that's where the home of the, the brit pack will be moving forward on on the youtube channel and we're going to be on video very very soon so if you can do that that'd be much appreciated
0: it's a big weekend This past weekend, we had the UFC, we had the Super Bowl, and once we finish recording this and I process this and publish it, I will be having some sleep. I'm a tired man, Mr. Sandu, but I'm looking forward to the fights this weekend, as always. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll speak to you in a week's time.